recording, aren't we? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, yes, we're recording. What? Hmm? I'm just making noises, sorry. <laughs> just practicing. <laughs> He's really enjoying hearing himself. <laughs> I hear my voice in my own ears. Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those amazing discoveries that we often hear about, but uh, never seem to really touch our lives. We're here to find out what it takes to make academic discoveries into actual things. Thank you for joining us. We're sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer and Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska. My name is Charlie Litton, and I'm joined by Joe Rungi, a lawyer by training who's been working in tech transfer for more than 10 years. Way more than 10 years. <laughs> And I'm also joined by Tyler Schur, a bona fide scientist with a PhD. Who's been working on tech transfer for way less than 10 years. <laughs> um, yeah, about, what, a year now, or a year and a half? Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems like 10. Um, so uh, my background is in journalism, so um, that's why I'm only allowed to ask questions and say nothing very important. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us, both of you. Um, before we get started, uh, please take a moment to rate the podcast. Even if you haven't heard it, five stars is fine. Um, and tell others about us, your family, your friends, people you don't like. Uh, make sure that they all subscribe and, and, uh, and help us get the word out. What we really want to do, in all seriousness, is tell the untold stories of how universities can, can change the world. So getting the, word about it, getting the word out about us helps us do that. So... Uh, Speaking of tech transfer, I think, guys, I think we got a little ahead of ourselves last time. Um, we didn't really explain what tech transfer was. Um, do you think we need to do that, or should we just jump right in here? No, I think it's a great place to start. Okay. What is tech transfer, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> well, I was hoping not to talk much, but I, I guess, you know, the elevator pitch I go, I go with is, is – you know, we take all those technologies, the innovations, the discoveries, the, that scientific research that comes out of the laboratory at a research institution, and we try to make it a real thing that it's on a shelf somewhere. Does anybody? Yeah, I think that's a great start. I think one of the things to keep in mind about that is that it's not really optional, that if a university takes federally funded research, part of the obligation with that is they have to identify inventions that come from it. They have to report them to the federal government. They have a, a big uh, website that all those inventions are listed on and are part of future grant reporting. Um, and actually, the, the incentive for all that is even if the feds pay for the research, the title to it, the actual intellectual property, is more or less owned at the university. And so the idea is that if you incentivize universities to own the intellectual property, they'll, they'll try to do something with it. I think it's a, it was probably worth noting that we're talking about a public university here, so it's essentially owned by the state, right? That, that is that gets, fair? That gets complicated. I'd say it's owned by the public. It's owned by the Board of Regents, and, yeah. and that's its its own sort of thing. But, yeah, I think that the the people of the state of Nebraska are the people that I consider who we work for. I think even private universities, they still have that public interest message in mind. And, you know, last time we talked about um, – is it appropriate for universities to make money off of these inventions? And, and I think we acknowledge that that's definitely a thorny subject. But in reality, if the university is making money off it, the public's making money off it, it's benefiting 
the mission of the university, which um, though that is, I guess, strangely controversial now, um, there still is uh, an ideal to hold that in the public benefit to do research, to, to make more inventions, to, to do more good. So we all work at, at Unimed, the tech transfer office at the University of Nebraska. Uh, we're at the, the Omaha side of it, so we handle the Med Center and then the University of Nebraska at Omaha. And um, one of the things that we try to do, I think because we've been around for a little bit longer than many, most tech transfer offices have been around since 91, technically, I guess. I think we have staff who have been here a long time, old-timers mm -hmm. like me and yeah. a couple other people. We are a seasoned tech transfer office. That well, one of the things that we try to do with that experience is we, we want to hold ourselves up as leaders. And I, and I, I don't – this is something that kind of bugs me. Um, we, we want to be leaders in the, in the – in the, in the country, I guess, for, for the things that we do. And, and, one of the, and that's why we're doing this podcast, right? Let's just get that out. Um, but one of the things that we see that, that kind of sticks in my craw a little bit is we'll see these lists come out. And I think they're the only people that care about them are their tech transfer offices. But we were recently ranked, what was it, 70th or something mm -hmm. in the country for the number of patents, U.S. patents secured. And that's a national – or excuse me, that's an international ranking. And then we're also ranked 35th, I think, by – by the Association of University Technology Managers. Did I get that acronym right? Autumn. Autumn. Commonly known as Autumn, yes. Um, these rankings, I mean, is there anything that, I know we want to pat ourselves on the back, but is there really anything we can take away from these? Is there anything that people should understand about that? So I, I never read the book, but one of Michael Crichton's last books, he created this evil version of Autumn. There, do you know this? <laughs> no, he didn't. Yeah, he did it. He did it. <laughs> no, he didn't. He did. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Which absurd notion. <laughs> okay, I'm going to find the book, and you're going to be like, whoa, he did. Uh, but no, uh, I think I'm torn when you have all these lists, right? If you've got a kid going to college, you're going to be looking at the U.S. News college reports, and, right. and you know, those are fairly arbitrary, right? It's like, what are the 25 tastiest steaks, right? I mean, <laughs> there's good steak and there's bad steak, and, and it's kind of, after that, it's sort of up to what you like, I I'm think. Still, I still miss Sizzler, so. Yes. <laughs> okay, we are pouring one out for Sizzler. <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, that's what we do here. Um, but I, I think that ranking uh, innovation by the number of patents is something you have to do, right? I mean, how... How can you actually put metrics on innovation? Right? But, but what is the value of a patent, really? I mean, we can just go out and patent a lot of things. We could. Is that necessarily we, valuable? We well, no. And, and I think, you know, that, that – but, I mean, if you look at industry, right? I mean, one of the uh, uh, metrics of innovative economies is, you know, China is filing more patents than the United States or is filing patents at a greater and accelerated rate mm -hmm. than the United States, which is some indicator that there is more innovation going on in China. I think that – there have to be some metrics associated with what these projects are doing. I think the bigger point is not to dismiss them, but to do exactly what you're doing, to say that, well, we are filing more patents, right? But is that really a focus on our mission? We do technology transfer. We, we don't do uh, IP portfolio building, right? We're not at Google trying to build a 10-patent-deep defensive barrier around our products. What we're trying to do is exactly what you said, to say, look at the research going on in the laboratories, transition that to things that touch people's lives. And you need intellectual property to do that. But at the same time, you need more than intellectual property. You can't just put your mousetrap out there and say, hey, look, this is a great patent. 
we should be into this. Well, yeah, it doesn't need to be a patent. I mean, you know, we have we have a guy in the office who just came up with a better way of doing something. It's not necessarily patentable or uh, I don't know what. There's no IP there, right? Steve Schreiner, our, our VP for marketing was trying to figure out a better way to keep track of all the inventions and all the contacts that we have. And uh, can you explain what, what he's doing with Salesforce? Yeah, so years and years ago, um, we were able to get a license to Salesforce when it was still a relatively new <clears throat> thing for those people. Well, explain what is Salesforce. Salesforce first. is a CRM. It is CRM a, means? It's a customer uh, relationship management tool. Okay. And it's used by people in sales, principally. It allows you to figure out who you are talking to as your prospects, which of them are interested, how many you've sold to, which is a lot of what we do in, in technology transfer. What Tyler and I spend a huge part of our day doing is calling companies and saying, hey, do you want this? And it's usually some harebrained technology <laughs> scheme. Um, and they usually don't, but it's important we keep track of who we talk to so we don't <laughs> keep going back to them. Um, sure you don't want this? <laughs> it's important we remember who we talk to because you know sometimes it takes five times following up. We go, oh, right, yeah, that. we. Don't like it. Um, but the the bigger point is is that we had to tape that together with our sort of complex process of evaluating an invention, filing a patent, managing a contract. You know, what we do is is we we take inventions, we protect them, we license them under these, you know, thirty page agreements, and then we have to keep track of, you know, whether our licensees are doing the things they promised they would. And we do all of that in our Salesforce implementation, I think is what Steve would say, right? right. Sounds, sounds like something Steve would say, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay, good. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Okay. So, <laughs> so Steve uh, customized Salesforce. Salesforce is really uh, a very powerful tool because it allows a lot of customization, a lot of automation. And so what originally took you know three people a full-time job of keeping organized, now really one person does with a lot of Salesforce robots sort of making all the behind-the-scenes connections. And... We have actually, I guess, licensed our Salesforce implementation to other tech transfer offices. They will then go and get their own Salesforce subscription. Steve will sort of uh, helicopter in and, and install all the Salesforce stuff, yeah. uh, probably fight some ninjas, and then <laughs> boom, he's home. Yeah, what do you think of that, uh, Tyler, using that system? I don't, get, I don't use it much because I'm just not on that licensing marketing side of it, but uh, how do you like it? Yeah, um, that's something that I had to get used to. It was new for me. I'd never used any CRMs okay. um, coming from, from the research side of things. Uh, it, no, it's incredibly useful. Uh, it's incredibly beneficial. And uh, my understanding would is that, uh, like Joe was saying, Salesforce isn't. It's sort of a, a one-size-fits-all-ish. It's more of a universal suite. Um, that we had to actually, uh, Steve had to actually yeah. um, put to work for our purposes, for tech transfer. So it's not made specifically for university tech transfer. He had to build in a lot of those functions right. and capabilities. Well, the, one of the things that you know Joe was talking about, that you know the things that we have to keep track of, one of the things he mentioned that I thought was interesting is the evaluation process. Um, you know, I, that might be something that's worth explaining. Sure. You know, yeah. So you know, when, we, what, what, when we evaluate, why are we evaluating technologies? Yeah, sure. So when we get a new invention notification in from either clinicians or researchers at UNO or UNMC, uh, we are we evaluate for uh, two main criteria. So all these inventions are oftentimes uh, very interesting. The researchers or the inventors are really excited about it. Um, but we have to boil it down to whether or not this invention has intellectual property, so whether or not there's prior art out there that may preclude us from having an intellectual property position, 
Um, so it, 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 that would mean that it's not novel, not something right. new, unfortunately. We're not going back and redoing the science or anything, right? We're just kind of looking to see what's already out there, making sure they're not duplicating work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So right. we just this involves a lot of internet searching through okay. through patent websites, repositories, or that it's yeah. not just an incremental improvement. You know, that patents too. have a high bar. Oh, you have to be every aspect. Every you have to be able to identify it as a series of, of features, and that particular combination of features not only has to be not has to be novel, it has to be non-obvious. And so, non-obvious means that the patent examiner, uh, Monday morning quarterbacking, right, isn't going to go back and say, "Oh, well, that would have been obvious to anyone," you know, oh. to to add a flange or to put some GFP in it, you know, no, or change the color of it, or something. right, exactly. And so. The, and those kind of get into particular legal arguments, but when you're in real prosecution, it, you just need to be able to convince the examiner that I'm not just you know taping on to some a, a new feature to an existing invention. That you have to present the invention in all its components as um, something no one's ever thought of before, and that that's unique to patents. Tyler, what what other forms of protection do we pursue coming out of evaluation? So we'll also do copyrights. Uh, copyright would be um, something that we pursue for a software, an app, or some novel expression of code, for example. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we would also do trademark, trademarks as well, another form of intellectual property protection for a uh, sort of a branding, um, a, a new name, a new, uh, a new company. Do we have any trade secrets? Um, you like know, Coca-Cola se recipe kind of thing, right? Trade secrets are difficult in the university. You know, our, our mission is publication. Right. So patents really lend themselves to what universities do because you still get to publish and you still get to, you know, keep proprietary rights. I think that's that's very unicky. I think that universities should do patents because it's another way to publish. So I think Ah, uh, sorry, go ahead and finish. Well just getting into secrets, you know, I mean if you look at what makes a trade secret, you have to have a actual security policy that you can demonstrate that really enhances the trade secret protection. And the idea of universities taking public money and putting the results in a safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, I, I'm not ruling anything out, right? There's sometimes it works, but I think, you know, we need to be, that, that shouldn't be plan A. We might have some proprietary, like sort of formula stuff. I, mm -hmm. Don't we have a, I think we had a product called Neurofreeze, right? Do we, yeah. I don't know if we still use, if we still license that or not, but it yeah, was. And, and we end up licensing that more as a formula. You know, right. we're not really doing trade secret protection. So um, what, what is Neurofreeze again? It's a, it's, 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 a, a it's a particular way of making media to freeze neurons. Okay. And, and that was kind of a, a laboratory batch sort of thing. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and, you know, one of the things that is common for those laboratory type inventions is they're, um, they're not hugely expensive to make. And so, you know, something like Coca-Cola, right? If you could just start cranking out, you know, bootleg Coca-Cola, um, that would be really valuable, right? Because, you know, a lot of people like Coca-Cola. It's a big market opportunity. You know, the, the neurofreezing market is, is some... You've got some bootleg neurofreeze here. Right, yeah. <laughs> bite from the trunk of the Let's car. Let's put it this way. If, if the bootleg neurofreeze is a portion of the neurofreeze market, it, it's, it's probably what we're you okay. know, breaking the law for. And, and so I think that that's a... a that's another consideration. But, you know, one of the things like the evaluation process we do, right, we're, we're really committed within the University of Nebraska Medi Medical Center and the University of Nebraska Omaha. We, you know, return invention evaluations on very quickly. And we do that, you know, because that's something our, our faculty really appreciate. They, they like getting a quick answer. Yeah. I think that's another way in which we, we hold ourselves up to, to um, 
to do the best we can for our faculty and technology transfer. I, I, I really am curious, Charlie, you know, you're the one who is, you know, I, I want to do this podcast because I think these stories are interesting. Y- you, I think, really bring this notion of using those stories to, to talk about a leadership role within the tech transfer community. H- how, how do you see the way that we present these stories, like talking about Salesforce, for example, right, you know, in, in a way that is helpful to, to the university? How do we do that in order to really see um, ourselves as leaders within the community? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of I, I think it's a really big question. The honest answer is is I don't know. It's a cowardly answer, I suppose. But you do look very cowardly. I, <laughs> cowering here in the corner? Do I? Yeah. Um, Get close to the mic, please. <laughs> um, I forgot the question. Uh, the the no the the how do we know when we're when we're leading? I don't know. You know, that's I, way better. Than, that's a good question. Right? How know, do we know that? I mean, what do we do? That, that's you know, I, I think it's just part of just trying to raise the volume. Hey, we've figured this thing out. Right. Uh, other tech transfer offices, if you're listening, you know, let us you know call us. We'd so, love to help you. Are we just leaders <laughs> by talking? I maybe. I don't know. I mean, you know, one of the things we're the ones with the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that 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 that's. Uh, that, that, one of the things that, that that struck me is we're trying to plan this this drug development conference, and what we want to do is is bring in um, Midwestern universities, their technologies, and bring in also then major pharmaceutical firms and their business development people and the people who make those kind of important decisions. Yes, we like this technology. We'd like to give you money to further the research on it, which is what we're all after, right? And um, we're trying to pool resources, and, and you know, you call your contacts, we'll call our contacts. And what we're finding is that there doesn't seem to be a lot of combined expertise in this, mm-hmm. or at least not as much as we hoped there would be. And so the question I have from that is, are we doing something different, better? I don't know. But is there a lot of knowledge out there that, that we have that other people don't? I mean, I don't. this sounds incredibly egotistical, and I don't mean it to, but... I think maybe the better way to think of it is, has there ever been a space to have that conversation, right? There are, you know, professional organizations we have conversations in, but, you know, those are magical conference time, you know, yeah. we're not working. <laughs> and and here, I mean, as much fun as this is, this is still work for us. Yeah. And, you know, we spend time thinking about how do we tell these stories in a way that's going to be relevant to, to both our audience members. And, <laughs> but I think part and parcel of that is maybe leading technology transfer isn't about being the best tech transfer office. It's about elevating the profile of something we think is really interesting, something that is frankly often blamed for the inevitable failures and difficult road that technology commercialization is. It's something to kind of take back that term. There was a time when people doing tech transfer, they would do anything but tech transfer. Oh, I do entrepreneurship. Oh, I do legal services. Really? Yeah, yeah. People were like avoiding that label. I say let's let's embrace it. Yeah. We do tech transfer. Dang it. And and it's important. And we want to talk about it. And you want to listen to it. It's time we come back to ground on this. Uh, for Tyler Schur, Joe Rungi, I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you. And join us again on Unimed's Innovation Overground. Be sure to rate us and recommend us. If, and subscribe. And subscribe. Thank you.